0: Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed yourself to us. We praise you, God, for your love for us and for your word. And we pray now that you would open our hearts, fill us with your Holy Spirit as we open your word. May we hear from you, learn from you, and become more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What should our walk with God look like? To many people in the world, the idea of knowing God, or knowing how to walk with Him, is so out there, so uncertain, that they might have no idea how to answer that kind of a question. If you were to walk up to people and say, can we know God? You might get a lot of interesting responses. You might get some people who would say, yeah, and I hope that's what we would say. But you might get some people who would say, boy, I'd like to. I'm just not sure. And you might get other people who would just kind of throw their arms up in the air and say, I don't know. I just don't know if we can know God. Some people might say that is a huge question, and I'm just not sure. Either not sure how I can know Him, or some Christians might even say, I'm just not sure what to do next in my walk with God. <laughs> Should it be such a mystery? Let me use an illustration here. I'm going to kind of come back to this one throughout the sermon. I had a job after my freshman year of college. I was an engineering student that year, and I thought I was getting an engineering job. But it's kind of funny, they told me to show up <coughs> the first day of work with a uh, tool belt and work boots. So I kind of figured out, okay, this uh, might not be an engineering job. And sure enough, it was a work site. We were wor- I was working on a construction crew on uh, the Ziegler Cap building. Some of you know where that is, out by Walmart. And we were pouring concrete and putting up buildings that summer. And uh, I was not trained at all on what to do in this job. I, I think I wasn't even introduced to my foreman until I got there. So here I am, you know, I got my work boots on, got my belt on. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, which is really early for a <laughs> freshman in college. Didn't even know there was that time in the morning. But I show up there and, you know, I, I'm looking around and there's like 12 other guys on this crew. And they kind of all just dispersed to the various parts of the building and started doing their thing. And I'm like, what do I do? Uh, and I spotted a guy with a different colored hat on. I'm like, that guy must be my foreman. So I go up to him and say, "Hi, my name's Eric. I, are you the foreman?" And he, he's kind of a gruff man. He
1: goes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I say, "Okay,
0: uh, I'm the new guy here. Uh, wh- what do I do here?" He just kind of looked at me like, yeah. you know, first thing in the morning. I'm sure he wasn't thinking, "Boy, I'd love to train in a newbie." Um, but he was. He just kind of looked at me and I'm like, uh, "Go for, pick up the garbage." So I'm like, okay, "Okay, I can do that." So it was this big, huge room, and there was lots of construction scrap around and. And I picked up the garbage, you know, kind of picked up every single little piece that I could, and that lasted about 30 minutes. So then I finished <laughs> that job, and I'm like, okay, what do I do next? And I go try to find the foreman again, I track him down, and he didn't want to see me again. He's, I'm like, what do I do? And he just, I think this time he just kind of pointed and said,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, so I started walking over there. and. Uh, You know, a lot of the summer was that way, where I just kind of showed up to work and nobody really told me what to do. Yeah, sure, there were things that I learned how to do, and there were some of the kinder guys on the crew who had kind of, you know, come over here and work with me. But there was so much of that summer that I would just show up for work and wouldn't know what to do. Now, I'm sure that my boss thought that he wanted me to do a good job. You know, I was receiving a paycheck, so I felt like I needed to be doing a good job. But it also kind of felt like my boss just didn't really care how good of a job I did, or didn't at least want to train me to do a good job. I, I take that back. He wanted me to do a good job. He just didn't really want to train me to do a good job. So, so much of that summer was me just kind of walking around like, what do I do? Is that what our walk with God is supposed to be like? That we know that God wants us to walk with him and to grow in our faith, but that maybe he's too busy to hear from us? or that we can't really expect to hear from him what we should be doing. Or are there things that God wants us to know about our faith and about our walk with him? I want to reread the three verses that we ended with last week in 1 John 5:11 through 13. And this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So right there, God wants us to know something. Right off the bat, he wants us to know that eternal life is in Jesus Christ. And if you have him, if you have received him as your Savior and Lord, you have eternal life. And then verse 13 is this wonderful verse of assurance. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John wrote this letter because God wants us to know that. He doesn't want us to just stumble around in the darkness or wander around aimlessly. He wants us to know that we have eternal life in Christ, and he wants us to know that we can have a relationship with him. God's not just some boss who wants us to do a good job but too busy to tell us what to do. Here's my big idea for today. God wants us to know how to thrive in our walk with him. God wants us to know how to thrive in our walk with Him. And it's not just that He wants us to thrive, it's that He wants us to know how to do it. There are parts of our faith, our walk with Him, that God wants us to know, and and even more basically, He he simply wants us to know Him. We were created to know God. We were created to have a daily, even moment-by-moment walk with Him. And in this relationship, God guides us into what's right. And I want to show you three things about our relationship with God, three things we'll see from this passage that teach us about the things that God wants us to know for sure in our walk with Him. The first, I want to read the passage. And our passage today is 1 John 5:13 through 21 which, by the way, this is the last in our nine-week series going through the book of John. I hope you've enjoyed it. I sure have. I hope that the book of 1 John has become more alive to you even the the word of God is living and active and I hope you know it better and the truths of it have sunk down deep into your souls if not I'd say keep studying it so here it is 13 to the end I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we asked of him if anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death he should pray and God will give him life I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death there is a sin that leads to death I am not saying that he should pray about that all wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin the one who was born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true even in His Son, Jesus Christ He is the true God and eternal life dear children, keep yourselves from idols my first point today of these three things that God wants us to know is that God wants us to keep growing through prayer that's one of the things that God wants us to know that we can do in our walk with Him this construction job that I had after my freshman year of college there was, there was one day that I looked back at and there was one day where I a glorious day where I actually knew what to do I showed up that day and the guy said we're going to be pouring this slab of concrete right here there was a hole in between two other slabs of concrete it was a big hole and I said I know what to do and I, that day I I cut the rebar I laid it down in the grid I I raised it up I tied it together and then somebody came behind me a welder and he put the stints on so I could put the second level of rebar and for eight glorious (laughs) hours I knew what to do in that job and it was just so refreshing but then sure enough we had ten hour days and the last two hours I was back I don't know but, but it was just so refreshing to know one thing that I could do and God tells us something here that we can know about him he starts off in verse 14 talking about a confidence that we can have, a confidence that we can have in approaching God. And we gain this confidence through prayer. And the truth is stunning. I want to re-read, starting in the middle of verse 14, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Is that true? You might be thinking, that's a typo in the Bible. It says in my Bible here, whatever we ask for. Is that true? Well, a couple weeks ago I said that in chapter 3 it was one of eight places in the Bible. Well, now I've found two more. It's one of ten places in the New Testament where we see the same teaching that God wants to give us things through prayer. The truth is that God wants to give good gifts to his children. So I want you to know that in your relationship with God. It's not like God's up there and he can't be bugged or, or that he's withholding things from you. It's that God wants to give his children good things through prayer. So we can actually ask and receive through prayer. Now there's a catch. There's a pretty big if in here. You might focus on that whatever we ask. and be like, oh, that's awesome. But I want to point out to you the, the, the catch here. If we ask anything according to his will. So we can't simply just ask for whatever we want. What we should be doing is searching the heart of God, figuring out what His will is for us and then asking those things in prayer. Now fortunately it's not all that hard to figure out God's will. Now I I know sometimes it is like those bigger life questions like, who should I marry or should I leave my job and take another job? you know, those can be difficult things to find out God's will. But most of the time as we're going through our life, we, we can know what God's will is by reading the Bible and applying it to our lives. What we should be doing then is taking those truths of the Bible, those things that we know God wants for us, and praying them back to him. And our prayer life should increasingly sound more and more like the Bible. You ever prayed with somebody and it's like, boy, he just quoted like seven Bible verses in that prayer. I think that our prayer should kind of sound like that. God tells us these things that he wants us to have. We know that it's his will for us. And if we ask him for those things by faith, he'll give them to us. And in that way, our hearts are transformed through the process of prayer. Theologian David Jackman, whose commentary I've been reading through this book of 1 John, has this wonderful quote, Prayer is submitting my will to his. That's just a, a simple but wonderful quote. Prayer is submitting my will to His. As we do that, as we seek God's will and pray for it, He answers us and He transforms us to become more like Christ. Now, some people might say, well, wait a second, that's not really such a good deal because what you're saying then is that I don't get what I want in prayer, that God just gives me what, whatever He wants anyways. Well, and my response would be as simple to that. Well, Good. I'd rather have what God wants me to have. I don't always know what is best for me. But God does and wants to give those things to his children. That's one of the things that he wants us to know for sure in our walk with him, that we can pray and receive. So we pray according to his will. That's why Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's prayer, your will be done. Such an important prayer, and I hope that it's the attitude of your hearts as you seek God now as we move on to verse 16 we see one specific thing that we're supposed to pray for and and this verse brings up an interesting topic it says that there are sins that don't lead to death and sins that do lead to death so before I give you the teaching on what we're supposed to pray for I want to just cover this theological issue because I'm sure that some of you have questions out there what in the world is the sin that leads to death and the sin that doesn't lead to death What's John talking about? L- let me explain here. First of all, we need to remember that every sin is serious. That even if we, ever, if we only committed one sin in our entire lives, that would be enough to separate us from God for all eternity. Think about that from Adam and Eve's perspective. One sin of theirs, one act of disobedience to God, and God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden and cursed them and the earth, and the effects of that reach, according to the Bible, reach all the way down to us, so that we die too, and we live under that same curse, all the result of one sin. So when it says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, what that means is that every sin is serious. Every sin is an act of disobedience to God, and if left unforgiven, leads to death. So what John is saying here must be different than what Paul was saying in Romans 6. And and by the way, that's just one thing we need to understand about the Bible. Sometimes two verses in two different parts of the Bible will sound really similar, but you have to look at the context. So when Paul says the wages of sin is death, he's talking about any sin. But when John here says that there's a sin that doesn't lead to death, he's talking about something different. So we have to figure out what is it that he is talking about here. And I think what he's talking about is something that's actually repeated elsewhere in the Bible as well. And this idea that there are two different kinds of sins. Um, perhaps you've heard the saying that no sin is worse than another have you ever heard that one would you agree or disagree I would say it depends on what context you're talking about because on one hand every sin yes is an offense to God and leads to death if it's not forgiven but on the other hand what I want to show you is that there are actually two different levels of sin that the Bible talks about twice in the gospels it says that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven Now, what that means, I believe, from looking at the context of those passages, is that the Holy Spirit longs to convince us that Jesus is the Christ. And we saw that actually last week in our passage as well. That's what the Holy Spirit does. To blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, I believe, is to reject that teaching of the Holy Spirit and to reject Jesus as the Christ. So, blasphemy of the the Holy Spirit, rejecting Jesus, looking at at him and saying, no, I don't want what you have. That's it's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and it will not be forgiven also in the Old Testament we see a distinction between two different kinds of sins you read through the Old Testament law and you see sometimes they talk about unintentional sins and other times they talk about defiant sins or they're also called high handed sins those unintentional sins would be those, whoops, I messed up, I got mad and I said something in anger that I shouldn't have said. I'm sorry for it and, you know, God, will you forgive me? That, was in, that, that would be in the category of unintentional sins. Those defiant or high-handed sins, on the other hand, would be those ones where you know what you're doing is wrong. You know that God says no, but you look up to heaven and you say, I'm going to do this anyways. Who cares what happens? And it's interesting that in the Old Testament... There were sacrifices for those unintentional sins. If you committed one of those, you could bring a sacrifice and receive forgiveness. But there were no sacrifices for defiant, high-handed sins in the Old Testament. So I think there's a pattern then in the Bible of there are sins that are forgiven, that can be forgiven, but there's one sin, one type of sin, that will not be forgiven. And as we look at what John says here, he says there is a sin that leads to death, I think what he's talking about is simply what he said in verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. He's saying that if you're in Jesus, if you've received him as your Savior and Lord, you're forgiven. But if you reject him, there is no forgiveness. If we have given our lives to Jesus, we can be forgiven for anything. You look at chapter 1, verse 7 and verse 9, and they both tell us that we can have purification from every sin through the blood of Jesus. Now, what about that person then who is rejecting Jesus? Does it mean that they can never be forgiven? Well, I don't think that's what it means because every one of us came into this world going our own way, and there was a point in time where we were in death and then came to Christ and received life. So what I think that means, then, is the sin that leads to death is the sin of rejecting Christ, and as long as you remain there, there's no forgiveness of sins. One theologian said, it's not that this sin is unpardonable, but that it remains unpardoned. I think that's a helpful way of saying it. So it's, you know, uh, I thought of this analogy that let's say that you have... uh, a pill that cure the disease, and you come across a village of people that they all have this disease, and let's say you know, there's, there's 17 of them there, and you have plenty of pills to go around, and, and you, get, you go around to the first 16 of them, and they're all so thankful for this pill that can save them, but that 17th person is holding a gun and says, don't you dare come near me with that, well, the pill could save them if they would let it, but they've rejected it. And as long as they live in that rejection, they're not going to receive the cure. And I think that that's what's going on here, that there is forgiveness in Christ. But if someone rejects Christ, there is no forgiveness. Now, just a, a side note, on a, on a side note, and believe me, we'll get back here, but um, I think this is important, because I think that some Christians worry about whether they've committed that sin. I think that there are some Christians who have a lack of peace because they wonder if they've ever committed that sin that leads to death or if they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And what I would say is that the message of 1 John is that in Christ we have forgiveness. So if you come to Christ for forgiveness, if you submit your life to Him, if you walk with Him, you have forgiveness. And by definition, you're not committing the sin that leads to death. You're not blaspheming the Holy Spirit as you're walking with Christ. Okay. I hope that makes sense. If you have questions on that, feel free to talk to me later. But I believe that that's what he's talking about when he says there's a sin that leads to death and a sin that doesn't. Now what John says in here that we should be praying for is that we should be praying for a brother, a, a fellow Christian, who is sinning. So what he's saying is if you see one of your, your fellow Christians committing a sin, and you know, it's one of these sins that maybe they don't know that they're doing it, or, or maybe it's just a weakness, but they're a Christian, they truly love Jesus, you should pray for them. You should pray that they would flee from that sin. And what does it say in this passage? It says, and God will give him life. Because God likes to answer our prayers. So, specifically, one of the things that we should be praying for is for Christians who are sinning. We are in a spiritual battle, and prayer is one of our great weapons in it. We should be wielding that weapon of prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ that we see who are caught in sin. So, two things here in point number one that we're supposed to be praying for. One is praying for God's will, and then two is praying for people who are sinning. And the application I want to ask you right now is simply, how is your prayer life? Are you meeting with God in prayer? God wants us to become more like Christ. Do you pray for that? That's His will. Are you praying for that? Are you praying for other people as as you see them get caught or get stuck or as you see them and you want them to grow in their faith are you praying that they would become more like Christ through prayer God wants us to know how to walk with him and how to grow in our faith it's one of the gifts that he gives us okay just as verse 16 said that we should be praying for other people who are committing sins I want to go on to my second point now and teach you one other thing about how we can grow in our faith my second point is this God wants us to keep growing by fleeing from sin, by fleeing from sin. I would say that, for me, one of the biggest takeaways that I have from the book of 1 John is this word picture of walking in the light. It says God is light, and He wants us to walk in the light with Him. Yet sometimes we stray into the darkness. What do we do if we catch ourselves there? Well, the quick answer is that we should repent to repent means to turn around both in your actions and in your attitude towards sin you turn around and you start following God verse 18 here says anyone born of God does not continue to sin what does that mean? well you could really misinterpret that one and we need to be careful about this one. let's look at it in its context in the, within the context of the whole book of 1 John because as I've explained earlier It doesn't mean that we're not Christians if we sin. In fact, John tells us specifically what to do if we sin. This book is written to Christians and he says, if you sin, do this, repent from it. So it doesn't mean that we're not Christians if we sin, nor does it mean that we should expect perfection. Quite the opposite, chapter 1 tells us that we deceive ourselves if we claim to be without sin. So what does it mean that anyone born of God does not continue to sin? Well, like I said, it doesn't mean that we should expect perfection, but it does mean that we should not willingly sin. As long as we have the choice, we, we should choose not to sin. Yes, there is forgiveness for the Christian who sins, but that doesn't mean that we should use that as an excuse to sin. If we've been born of God, we should flee from sin. Three times in this book, it tells us to flee from sin. We're also told in verse 21 to flee from idols. Idols are anything that take the place of God. Idols are anything that keep us from having full-hearted devotion to God. Those things, they might even be good things, like a hobby, or work, or family even. They can be good things, but even those things can take away our devotion to God if we let them. Many times in the Bible we're told that we should flee from evil and pursue righteousness. One of the most straightforward of those is in 1 Peter 1.16 where God says, Be holy because I am holy. How's that one going for, for me? Uh, for you? That is such a high standard. God says, Be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. The standard is God's perfection. And I believe that that's the standard that we are to pursue. I don't think that we should ever expect that we'll get there in this life. But if we're if we find ourselves falling short of that standard, we ask for forgiveness. And then we get up and we keep seeking after God. Because anyone born of God does not continue to sin. It's almost like it's kind of a command in there. If you're born of God, you should not continue to sin. That's the standard. According to verse 19, we need to realize that the world we live in, the world around us, is under the control of the evil one, of Satan. What that means is that we are constantly going to be tempted to sin. But we are called to walk in the light as he is in the light. And if we, if we sin, if we mess up, we ask for forgiveness and we keep walking in the light. Because we see in verse 18 that the one born of God, Jesus, will keep us safe. What does it say in verse 18? The one who was born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. So anyone born of God, that's us who are believers, we're kept safe by the one born of God, Jesus Christ. I think that's what's behind the phrase, deliver us from evil, in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us to pray that we should ask to be delivered from evil, because that's what God wants to do for us. Again, He doesn't want, to wa- want us to walk around aimlessly in the dark. He wants to deliver us from evil. Do you know that? The next time you struggle with a sin or with temptation, do you know that God wants to deliver you from evil? And you simply need to go to Him and ask Him for the strength to do that. I get frustrated when I hear Christians saying, oh, you know, that's just the same old sin that I've always been doing and I'll probably never get over that. No. God wants to deliver us from evil. We can walk with Him in the light. We can fight against sin with confidence and we don't need to be resigned to committing those same old sins again and again. If we keep walking with God, he will deliver us from evil. Application here. Are you in the habit of repenting every time you sin? I don't think it's too much to say that we should repent every time we become aware of sin in our lives. Repent of it. Let me ask you a question even one step further back. When you sin, do you realize it? I think a lot of people sin and they... Don't give a second thought to it. But here's a tip for you. Pray that you would. Pray that God would reveal your sins to you. Because it's like a cancer. And if it's cancer, I'd rather know about it than not know about it. So that we can talk about how to deal with it. (laughs) When you sin, are you sorry for it? Or do you justify it? It can be easy to justify it, saying, Oh, everybody else is doing it, and mine's not that bad. Or, God created me with a sinful nature anyways but we must not do that we should be confessing our sins to God because if we do he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness our attitude towards sin is so important we must not continue in it Okay, so my first two points so far God wants us to keep growing in our walk with him through prayer and through fleeing with sin those are two things that he wants us to know about our job is walking with him as Christians I want to move on to my third point now. And my third point, I'm going to use two verses from this passage, but I'm going to use them to serve as a conclusion to the book of 1 John. And my third point is this, that God wants us to know him. Pretty simple point. We talked about it in Sunday school today. God wants us to know him. That construction job I had, it didn't feel like my boss really wanted me to thrive. But I had a different job. I worked as a big boy at Service Food Grocery Store here in town. Uh, I probably cracked a bunch of your eggs when you were here. <laughs> sorry about that. But, um, I spilled grapes from one of the newscasters, one of the local newscasters. He's pretty frustrated at me. But anyways, that's beside the point. Um, At that job, they actually trained me and told me what to do. And they said, you know, here's how you put the groceries in the bag. Here's what you're supposed to do at this time. If you're on drive-up and you hear the bell, you're supposed to go out there and do that. If it's slow, you can go out to the store and and front the cans, you know, move the cans to the front of the shelf. And there were managers there that would tell me what to do. And and that job, in that sense, was really easy. I always knew what to do at that job. It was so much easier to do that. There are things that God wants us to know for sure. And I would say chief among them is the fact that he wants us to know him and to know that we have eternal life. Verse 13, again, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And then verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. The book of 1 John, by actually quite a large margin, this was interesting, I just learned this this week, the book of 1 John uses the words for know way more often, by percentage, way more often than any other book in the New Testament. So knowing is a theme in the book of 1 John. And what does God want us to know? He wants us to know Him. He wants us to know that we can have a relationship with Him. that's why verse 20 says that Jesus came. He also wants us to know, according to verse 13, that we have eternal life in Christ. How do we know we have eternal life? Because God in his mercy sent Jesus to die for our sins. That any of us who receive him can have eternal life. He who has the Son has life. And then one theologian said that verse 13 is the climax to this letter. That It's God in his mercy saying, I've given you this gift and I want you to know that you have this gift. And think about those are two separate things. It's one thing for God to give us eternal life. But it's another thing completely for him to let us know that we have it. So that we don't have to worry. So that according to chapter 4, we don't have to have fear on judgment day. God wants us to know that. Now there is a catch. Oftentimes there's a catch. The catch here is that we need to keep walking with God. If we stray out of fellowship with God, our our knowledge of God, our assurance of eternal life is going to slip away. But if we keep walking with God in the light as He is in the light, God will continue to reveal Himself to us and assure us of our relationship with Him and of eternal life. There is no substitute for a daily walk with God. And like I said, it's not just eternal life that we can know about. In verse 20, we're told that we're given understanding so that we may know Him who is true. We can know God. Has anybody in here read the book Knowing God by J.I. Packer? Kind of a classic. Oh, good. Lots of hands. In there, he asks the question, do we dare to be people who say that we know God? Again, yes, the average person on the street, and they might say, well, come on, can anybody really know God? Well, sure, we might be able to learn things, but can we know God? The Bible's answer is that yes, we can know God. We can have a relationship with Him. If somebody asked me, is it possible to know God? I would say, absolutely it is. And it's not because I'm so smart or because I've figured it all out. It's because God has revealed Himself to us. He wants us to know Him. Remember how the book of 1 John started? The first four verses of the book, the Apostle John basically basically said, look, I walked with Jesus. I was his disciple for three years. I saw him. I touched him. I heard him. I had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I am here to tell you that you can have that too. That's why he wrote this book. He wanted the relationship that he had with Jesus to be extended to those of us. That's what Jesus prayed for in John 17. He wanted there to be unity among all believers, not just his disciples, but he said, I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message that we all would have that unity. God wants us to know that we know. We were created for a relationship with God. God is light. He wants us to walk with Him in the light. Now, I know that there have been some challenging things to consider in the book of 1 John. There's been, there have been some rebukes in here. And for me personally, I've felt some of those. Uh, the one, for example, love your, uh, we must love one another and it talks about if you don't love, you actually hate. And, and for me, the heart check has been a difficult one to say, okay, those times where I've responded, whether it's been to my family or to people playing basketball, those times when I haven't responded in love, what does that say about what's going on in my heart? Those have been difficult things, yet good things for me to consider. And you've probably felt the same thing, you know, the, the command to obey God or to love one another. But I want you to know that behind every challenge... And every rebuke in this book is the God of the universe who loves us and wants us to know him. God wants us to know that eternal life is in Christ and God wants us to keep walking with him in the light. And as I said earlier, perhaps the thing that has stood out the most to me in this whole book is that word picture of walking in the light. God wants that for us now and forever to be with him in the light. So the application here are you walking in the light that's what I want to close this series with is that question are you walking in the light God wants you to walk with him there and even more than that he wants you to know that you can walk with him there he wants you to know that you can thrive in that relationship with him he's not like my boss who's just expecting me to figure out everything on, his, on my own God wants to be with us in this to have that relationship with us that goes from now through the rest of eternity. That's the God we serve. I'm motivated to keep walking with Him in the light and I hope that you are as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise You that You have revealed Yourself to us, that we might know You. And if there are any in here who just aren't sure if they know You, we just come before You right now and say, God, I want to know You. Thank You for sending Jesus. I pray to receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And then, Lord, we pray that you would teach us how to walk in the light. Teach us, help us to know when we've strayed into the darkness, and I pray that we would repent. Lord, I pray that we would walk with you in the light, that we would have great joy in our relationship with you, that we would know you, and that you would keep us safe. We praise you, God, for all that you have for us. May we do our part to walk with you in the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.